0: Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Around the Corner. I'm Dana Dave here on 4680Q downtown Niagara Falls on a beautiful, what was sunny day, but a little cloudy right now. But a beautiful, beautiful spring day. This time we're on at 4 p.m. So if you've been sitting there since three o'clock, I apologize, <laughs> sitting patiently by your computer or your phone. I know Lisa McIntosh is in the studio today. Who's going to be taking some picture she got here real early because she didn't get my message so i apologize <laughs> so today it's our 10th episode our, our it's an anniversary type of show and what a better day to have your 10th episode and world parkinson's day and you know that that is why we do light of day and all the light of day events that have happened in the past and future uh we uh we donate all of our money to Parkinson's organizations, and uh, you know our folk, our friends down in Asbury Park. I think they've raised over four, four actually, we're million now uh, for Parkinson's, ALS, and PSP, and we've done all right. Our on our own, we've done about five hundred thousand with our twelve shows. So we hopefully we'll have an announcement for you shortly. We're just working on the fall show, but there will be a Light of Day Canada this year, folks. So get ready for that. Now it's been a lot of fun doing our first. Uh, 10 episodes, we've had some great, great artists uh, that have been either in studio or on the phone. We started out with Rick Rose. We had Tony Pellegrosi, who's the ED for uh, Light of Day Foundation, Mr. Joe Durso, Vinnie Pastori, who was a past host uh, several times for uh, Light of Day, Vinnie Mad Dog, Lopez, Dave Rave, and last week we had an amazing show and a great chat with the lovely and talented King, uh, king queen of Kingston, Miss Emily, who uh, you will see at Light of Day 13 this year next week uh, we've got one of our faves Uh, we call him the prince of light of day asbury mr. Bobby Mahoney from Bobby Mahoney and the seventh son Uh, Bobby I've I've said in the past he's uh, he's my son's mentor I call him my American son he's gonna be on the show and we're gonna have a special uh, co-host that day mr. Evan Rotella will be in because he's got a lot of questions he wants to ask his mentor Um, today's guest now, I've been really looking forward to this. He's actually in studio. Uh, the, the in studio one, I, I like the, the interviews on the phone, but the in studio ones are fun because then we get some live music and, and the banter is a little different. And uh, we had Dave Rave in here a couple weeks ago, and that was a blast. We've got uh, the lead guitarist, vocalist of the Lowest of the Low, uh, if, and, and he founded Lowest of the Low back in? 1990?
1: 1990? 1990? Start? I brought him on a little early.
0: <laughs> 1990, because I didn't write that down. He now fronts his own band, the Stephen Stanley Band. In 2017, they released the epic album, and uh, I stand by that, money-back guarantee from me, Jimmy and the Moon. Uh, you must have that one in your record collection. And they're f- currently finishing up a new record. They've been out on Wolf Island and finishing up their new record. I think it's going to production now. So. We're pretty close. Okay, looking forward to that one. In 2003, he released a great solo record entitled that thin wild mercury great great album and before i bring them on i'd like to play a song from that so here's steven stanley with one of my favorites it's called new westminster taxi squad from the album thin white mercury here's steven stanley That was Stephen Stanley. You're listening to Just Around the Corner on 4680Q. I'm Dan. I'm a Dave. And that was New Westminster Taxi Squad here at 4680Q in Niagara Falls, Ontario, from the album That Thin Wild Mercury. And we have Stephen Stanley live here in the studio today. Hey, Stephen, how you doing? I'm alive. He's alive. here. (laughs) He was here earlier, and you you, you could barely hear him, but uh, had to help me out there. Stephen, I've been really looking forward to this part. I yeah. just wanted to get through my little preamble and the do my conversation comments. part. Me too. Yes. That's right. I've been really looking although, forward to this. Although
1: so. we, both, we both enjoyed your preamble in here. It was, was, <laughs> quite, was quite good. Yes, we
0: have uh, a amble. <laughs> so just so everybody knows, we have uh, Lisa McTighe. lisa has been uh, part of Light of Day uh, for, oh, man, 10 years?
2: Um close yep
0: and she's in here taking uh doing what she does best taking photos and uh well they'll be up on the website and thanks for coming lisa i appreciate it thanks Dave. so steven yes that album yes all right so we've kind of got over a few things um but the album that thin wild mercury yes let us know where that
1: came from i know let us know where that came where from. the name came the from title. so yeah. it was i basically lifted that from uh bob dylan he was talking about Cap, the sound he was trying to capture on, oh, not Blood on the Tracks. On uh, what's Rainy Women? What, what album? Um, blonde on Blonde. Blonde yeah. on Blonde. Blonde on Blonde. that's yes. what that uh, the DVD that I was telling yeah. you about. Yeah. So book. I you know in hindsight maybe a little presumptuous on my part to use that as an album name, but oh, I think great. you know what 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 I was doing with that band. That was a when we went into the studio. That was a full band. It was a bass player, a drummer, and a guitar player, and me, and over the course of that very long session, which I did with my dear friend, Alan Piggins, producing, right. that band kind of fell apart, um, mostly because of timing. Like, like, you know, I, I am record. notoriously... Strong well, yeah, so what, what I think there's sort of two parts to it, which is really nice. Like the, the, the guys added beautiful stuff. Craig Brown's a guitar player. Uh, he's now out in Victoria, B.C., and I'm not in touch with him very closely, but I just love what he did as a lead guitar player on this record. I There's so many things that, you know, when I hear that again, so that that song, New Westminster Taxi Squad, got recorded twice. That's the only thing I've ever recorded twice on two albums. It's on a Lowest to Low record, too. It's on... um, on nothing short of a bullet, on which is a four-sided live record, and the fourth side was a, was three studio tracks we did. Uh-huh. And there's a video for it, which I should find and show. and yes, get please. To you, because it stars Ron Hawkins' dad as the taxi driver. <laughs> and he, he, <laughs> steals the sh- he steals the show. Like he just makes us all look like rank amateurs. <laughs> he's, and not a, he's not an actor in any way, shape, or form. But he was just fantastic. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so the band kind of. The band changed because people were, like, the drummer was a guy named Randy Curnue. He moved back to, to Newfoundland while we were making the record, so that changed. And two of the songs are actually a, a guy named Jay Santiago plays drum, drums on them, and he's fantastic, too. Um, but the album really became Alan and I, late nights in the studio, um, just experimenting and playing that, around with Did things. you take that band out on the road? Uh, afterwards no you know that band didn't really didn't survive after that we i did i did shows to support this record but it was with a different different rhythm section craig brown the guitar player did yep did join me um but yeah it was kind of like an all over the map time of life and the record took a long time to make and i generally take a long time to make records and i'm pretty methodical about doing them i I don't know bruce springsteen in you yeah um, not to the not to the extent where I'm a I'm a perfectionist, but I'm looking for, I'm looking for vibe and feeling and right. if it feels right to me. I have this idea in my head, and that's why that's where that the name of that song that, that album came from with like, oh, right, Queen. Right, right. Mercury, like it just was something I felt like it really described the sound that I was trying to get. Even though Bob Dylan never really described what it right, meant right. to him, but you listen to that to Blonde on Blonde. I wasn't trying to make Blonde on Blonde again. I was just trying to make an album that had right. that, you know, had that air and that sort of space in it, and you know, it's, well, up, to, it's up to everybody else to decide whether it it's a wonderful record. You can, a you can catch
0: that one on Spotify, folks. Yes, uh, you know, I've got the have got the CD, but now, did, uh, you know, uh, there was this gap in hit in our music history where yeah. vinyl just stopped getting made, mm-hmm. right? Like ninety two on kinda for a couple decades did that ever come out on vinyl
1: that one did not no no and you're right it was like it was actually 91 in 19... yeah, 1991 91, when we put out Shakespeare in my butt right we were faced with a big huge band discussion about what format we were coming out on really? and we Eventually landed on CDs and cassettes, and we did, we did I think, 2,000 cassettes that are all, all sold. I think I, I might have a few left really? in the basement. Um, and it was, a sad, it was a sad moment to not do vinyl, but it was becoming quite clear that at yeah. that moment in time, it wasn't the way to go. Unless you were in Europe, because I remember going to oh, really? Portugal in 92 and walking into a record store, and, and the walls were just, like, it was all vinyl. It was so cool to Pre- see it all again. Well, uh, now, you're a Torontonian... And yeah. I know you.
0: I know you go to record stores. And yeah. when this all happened, I was going to York, and I pil- I, I made my pilgrimages uh, down, you know, with the TTC on the subway yeah. downtown all the time. I mean, yeah. I, I lived at Sam's and cheapies and Same. and, and you're right. So at that time, I was conflicted too. I was a DJ. Yeah, I was conflicted what to buy, but it was like heaven because everything was every album was on sale everywhere. Like you just went. You yes. went. You went to Sam's, or you went to Cheepies, yes. or you know, and everything was on sale. So I was just stocking yeah. up, and it,
1: it was hard for me to switch over to CD. So
2: yeah, I, I didn't love I it. Didn't at think the time about it from the your time. perspective,
1: and well, and also what what it did do though, from a band perspective, is it created a real viable way to sell from the stage. Like people, right. people were buying CDs from the stage. Like I think you know, we. I don't think low to low from day one. Our first our first tour, we got a really neat offer to open for a British band called the Jazz Butcher. Uh, Pat Fish just passed away about five months ago. He was the leader of the Jazz Butcher. I don't know. Uh, very, yeah, very sad. He, he was a wonderful guy, and we did a twelve date Western tour opening for them, and it just kind of set the table for us. It was a, a beautiful thing. We we toured to Victoria with them, and then came back by ourselves, and on the way back we filled every place. really played on the way out and it never never changed from there so we would we would do those tours and i think you know we were selling like 100 cds a night off the stage really and well yeah so compact yeah easy to carry easy to carry away it's like us out to people and and 15 bucks and the other great thing about what was the low was we had probably one of the sweetest record deals that's ever happened in canada we were we were uh buying CDs from the label for I think $4 oh, wow. so we were making 11 bucks profit on each CD we sold so, so you know, it's a good night it's a good night and, yeah. then, and you do that you know I mean we did one tour that was 44 wow. dates and 46 nights so if you're doing it that I'm not saying we're selling. I'm not saying we're selling 100 every night but because there was some there were some definitely some duds and tours like that but, yeah for sure but, but
0: you I know it, no, ma- it made a, a difference
1: you can come home not being broke basically
0: yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're like me, you, you know, you, you probably love vinyl more, and the, yeah. the feel of vinyl, but it did make sense at the time, and, you know, some of us had to rebuy our entire catalog, and now we're going back the other way. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm noticing, I, I, now, uh, I know we'll get into this later, can i got other things to go over, but are you doing vinyl uh, for the new album?
1: Well, so that's, uh, gonna, it's, it's an ongoing debate, well, we can talk about that then, because but it's a, an ongoing debate only because, like, I think... You know, there, there's the timing issue of it. It's not as big a deal as it was maybe a year ago. But there's a, the, just the idea of, you know, can I afford to do my own? That's the problem. I hate, right? to, it I hate comes to, down to on the radio. But no, no, yeah. no, no, but that, that's yeah. the problem. It's the so expense. But you, I, you'll like
0: this new guy. His I
1: really respect, well, we, we'll we talk about this uh, offline for sure, but sure. I, I really respect um, Dave from uh, Cracker. And oh. uh, he's a. Cracker? I would say. Yeah. No, no. D- Who am uh, d- I thinking of? Why am I drawing a blank on his last name? I should know this. Immergluck Yeah. D- no. uh, Dave is the lead singer for, and he's the main songwriter in Cracker. But he he's he basically writes a lot about the music business no. and has a lot of opinions. And he, he basically says that vinyl's a bit of a fool's game right now, and that you should just just make CDs. Don't put the money up front like that you're having to put up for vinyl, and you know get in, get out, and maybe you can make actually make some money off selling music. And he he might be right. You know, so CDs. I don't even know. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying CDs anymore. Who's buying CDs? I think, I think they're a nice sort of thing to have at shows, yeah. and some people do want a, a takeaway, and well, I get that. Well, it's just the fact that cars don't come with CD players anymore.
0: Yeah, where, your where laptops you don't them? come with them, right? So unless you have a CD player with your stereo, I mean, and
1: even people that you know, like me, that resisted streaming are streaming now. It's just too easy. And then, you know, we're going to talk about my radio show, and that's, you know, yeah. Without that, I wouldn't. It, it would be a whole different show.
0: Yeah, 100. So, yeah, yeah, that's how you find it all. So uh, back to the song and the album, yeah. uh, that thin white, uh, wild well, mercury. You're, you said you've never heard the Todd Schneider song. I want no, you to, I never have. I'm going to send that yeah. to you tonight. Yeah, so, yeah I want to hear it. So he writes about Philox and the and That's I guess amazing. I didn't realize, but him and Bob had. Uh, I read up on it this weekend, but it, the song, it, it, it's it, they they were very combative in the song, but it's it sounds like they were just very competitive with each yeah. other back at the time. Now you say you listen to him. Well, I thought. remember,
1: like you know, we used to when you're in a when you're in a band when you're young, you spend a lot of time hanging out at one of the guys' houses, and we used to listen to Phil Ox all the time. Really, and I I, I would consider him a pretty big influence on what Lois of did, just from a from a, you know from a really from a subject point of view, and from a uh, you know really trying to be right. present and yep. and out front with your opinions point of view. I think he was a big influence on what that band did.
0: I find it hard to believe I'm a huge Dylan fan and, and I know the story and I never went and, uh, I, I, to be honest, when Todd Snyder wrote about it, because one of the lines he ta- he says he's a journalist, yeah. so I didn't really even pay attention to him yeah. until this weekend and I went, oh, him and Bob were singer-songwriters at the same time, so I've never gotten into Phil.
1: I, yeah. Well, so there's a story and I think it's in Dylan's Chronicles and, I've met, and, I'm, and I am apologize to anybody if it's actually from a different book, but there's a story about uh, a night a dinner party and Dylan, Johnny Cash, Philox, I forget who else is there, two other people. And they basically finish dinner and go sit in the living room and they pass the guitar around and they and the job is play a new song. And when it gets to Dylan, he plays Lay Lady Lay. Oh wow. And that's like, that, guys. like that's <laughs> and you know, I mean like I forget I don't remember the songs that everybody played, but it's uh, imagine being in a room with those five people hearing a new song from each of them it's like that doesn't give you goosebumps I don't know what it does well when you hear those stories you know when they were young and they were
0: hanging out I mean they were I mean they weren't the people they we look back at you know now and say oh it was Bob Dylan they're just bunch of guys I when you when you hear the stories of Steve Earl and 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 Guy Clark and Prine and all these guys You know, sitting around in Guy Clark's living room, Towns Van Zant's there, right? Yeah. And at the time, you know, Steve was just a young guy trying to make his way, and here they all are. And you know, years later, you look back and go, "Wow, what a uh, group of songwriters that was." The hindsight
1: just changes context. Uh, the context of hindsight to me is, is such a such a factor in how we view music, and I think we we were witness to one. If you watch the the Beatles Get Back, that yes, that. I did actually. Yeah. it was fantastic. Like well, I, I always. My mind always boggles at the idea that when they're on that roof playing those songs, the people that are there have never heard those songs before. Right. And There's nobody on the planet that can. And say we know that. them by <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody <laughs> on the planet that can say, wow, oh, that's a, that's interesting. I don't know what that song is." <laughs> like right? You know, actually, like, yeah, these that's these true. live in our brains. Like you know, they they occupy a, a great amount of space in our brains. But for the people that I day, very true. They were hearing those Beatles songs, and you know, there's another <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's another couple moments in Get Back that blew my mind where like McCartney's sitting at the piano playing like let it be for the first time and the other guys in the room were kind of like
0: right
2: see you know so that, that
0: was that was brilliantly made that was that was really good I think I got uh, what was that on uh, Apple Apple TV yeah.
1: yeah I think I got it just for that just so oh I yeah I, 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 want, I want to get it again to watch it again actually just because it's yeah there's it just fantastic. too much just all kind of went by. Now, you,
0: you alluded to your radio show. Now, yeah. I, I listen to it quite often, and uh, it's it's, nice. if, if you guys haven't uh, uh, listened, it's uh, called Northern Wish, and it's on Muskoka Radio. Hunters Bay Radio. Hunters Bay out Radio, Out of, out radio,
1: of uh, Huntsville, Ontario, and yeah, uh, yeah plays the, May, the first play is 2 o'clock on Monday afternoons. And, you know, it's a community radio station. It's not an archive show. You have to listen right. on the air, and it plays three times, which is really nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like, I've, I've been doing it now. I just did my hundredth episode. Hundred, I, I know we're on 10, you're today. on a hundred. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Cause I remember sitting out on the deck listening to you on a, you know, on a summer Monday afternoon. That's <laughs>
1: listening well that's, to you. Yeah. Well, that's my joke. I, I yeah. say like I've, I've made over a hundred hours of radio. Is there any other human being that can say they've done that? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. It seems like a lot to me. Uh, you know. Now
0: we, we were talking earlier. One of, the, one of the things I love about doing this now, and I, I, it's just the, the research and learning more about people I already know, but you know, doing the deep dive and finding out more and more things. You know, like yeah. I did this weekend with you. Yeah. You know, researching and stuff. What, what's the best part of? Uh, I know I, I kind of know the answer, but yeah. what's the best part of doing the radio show.
1: But the best part for me, for sure, is that it's really changed the way I listen to music. I, I was somebody that would, you know, like my album collection is. Pristine, and not as large as some some people like yours, because I would I would buy a record and listen to it for you know six months straight, (laughs) (laughs) and just it would be the only thing until I just couldn't go back to it. So, and I I've been that way my whole life. Like you know, I I I remember my friend Dave Bedini from the Rio Statics used to make me mixtapes. And I was always like, I was always impressed with his sort of, the breadth of his musical knowledge that he had, there were so many bands he was into. And I'm like, oh, I'm just listening to this one thing right now. So that, anything like that kind of opens your mind. So with the, the radio, the radio show kind of morphed, it started off, they gave me a mandate about how much Canadian music I had to play, which was, I think, 65%. I'm now probably more around 90%. And at first I was just kind of, you know, playing songs I liked. I would, I would try to find some new stuff every week. But now it's become so apparent to me that this is such a great time in Canadian music yes. that for the most part, the show is new songs on a weekly basis. So what it, what it has done is just changed my listening habits completely. It just opened me up to try to find new stuff and you know, and you know, make sure I'm having conversations with my friends. What are you listening to? And right. my daughters always have something. My, my uh, daughter, who lives in Montreal now, um, got me listening to this um, woman named Sister Ray last week, and I'm like, okay. this is a freaking awesome record. So that will be right. featured heavily in the next okay. few weeks of my show. Uh, I was out I in Kingston, I don't know, a month and a half ago, and saw this band from Toronto called The Converts. Okay. And I think they're going to be massive, and they've only released three songs so far. One's called Maria. And you've played and I've played them a few I times know. already, and boy, did they, it's like, there's nothing better than walking into a club, and and it was the Toucan in Kingston. It's a late night. I actually wasn't feeling that good that day, but we went anyways. Um, and they came on, and I was like, "This is it, man. This is why you go out." This guy's right. All that's of a the other thing too, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you're 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 listening to more music, you know, streaming,
0: like yeah. you said. Like, I think streaming does have a purpose. I think it's great because, no. I you know, I find new music that way as well. But getting out there and the live music. And seeing bands open up for other bands
1: and go, Oh wow, I like these guys. The openers are fantastic. Of course, and, you know, of course yeah. it serves a purpose. There's no there's no debate as you know, as far as musicians go about the ugliness that exists where it's sort of taking so much revenue away from artists right. and you have guys like Daniel Eck making four zillion billion dollars a day. Right. And that I mean there's no there's there's no debate there from anybody that, totally that existed agree. in the nineties because we made money off of selling music and you know, and that. That's not a by any means a god given right, but it certainly helped yeah. it certainly helped see a sort of beginning and an end of how you could have a career in the in the business yeah. so I, I think for bands now that rely only on streaming you know there's been some really like Danny Michelle I think t- a couple of Christmases ago wrote a really good um, sort of uh, opinion, p- opinion <coughs> excuse me <coughs> opinion piece about what streaming's done to his revenue streams right. and it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Like, you know, wow. you're getting, like, you know, a million plays and maybe not a million. Maybe you're getting, like, 40,000 plays and you get a check for 80 bucks. Like, what? It's crazy. 80 I know, bucks. It's not totally even buying that, you so. dinner.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, just to, to swing back to that band, the Converts. Yeah. Me and Emily had this conversation last week. Is there something in the water in Kingston? They oh, they're a tr- Toronto band. That, oh, they're, they're There, is great, oh, there is great
1: music out of Kingston, though. Oh, no, um, I thought yeah. this
0: was just another great uh, Kingston There's band because I just keep hearing... Great, you know, now the wilderness is out there, and you know, obviously the glory sons and.
1: Well, so so is there maybe a theory about it that a community of that size, there's a really good chance for bands to thrive, just because they get there. I mean, there's a great sort of local support system. And that's what it is.
0: It's the scene because Hamilton's got that too. I mean, Hamilton
1: too. Hamilton's like the mecca.
0: Well, when Um, I was at the J.R. Diggs uh, charity thing that with Dave Rave, you know, and you're back there, and you're and like it's it's some forty one, it's it's a. Max from the Arkells, yeah. the Trues, it's Tom Wilson, the guys, everybody's so there, and yeah. they're all, and you're like, oh, he's from Hamilton, he's from Hamilton, oh, he's a Hamilton boy. Everybody, so there's, there, it, there's
1: something to be said about, we're you know, doing a, the VHS tours coming up in May, and we're, yes. we're doing the Mule Spinner again in Hamilton, and I'm um, really excited about that show because Lori Yates is playing with us, and oh, nice. I think she is one of the best sort of singer-songwriters that this country's ever produced, and she is just, a thrill to see, and, and uh, so I'm very excited about that. Who was,
0: the, who was the girl that opened for you when we came
1: up to see you uh, in Oakville? Oakville? Oh, that's yeah. Shauna Caspi. She's so she's an amazing excellent. folk singer. Oh, excellent. And like there, there you go. Yeah. There is the epitome of a DIY artist. Like right. she, she makes her own album covers. I know. And she, she's she, on the road all the time, and she's just one wondering. person out by wondering. herself playing. And her last record was called Hurricane Coming. Is spectacularly good. Like, she's just great. She's just fantastic. Which, you know, I, when you think about it, I'm, I'm a non musician, uh, but, you know, I, I
0: always thought about this through Light of Day because I would go down to Light of Day in Asbury, and my goal was always to bring some of this music that I'd never heard back. Yeah. But, you know, to invite some of them to play, but now of I do, now I, play, I got a, a show where I do some of the songs. And There's just so much untapped talent out there. And how tough it must be to make it in this business, because you can be—I mean—you could yeah. be as talented as Willie Nile, you know. And you know he's—he's got to play, you know, hundred times a year because w- you're Willie, you're maybe the like exception
1: to the rule, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I—I I, I mean, Willie seemed to me seems to be a guy that would play three hundred times a year and enjoy every one of them. Like he's just like—he's oh, he just got a rock and roll heart, and he's just—but yeah, you're right. Like well, I how think, did he you now know, make it, and this guy did. Th- well, know, that was—but that was part of what uh, the Danny Michelle article said was right. that. That it creates a situation where your only choice as a musician now to make money That's is funny. to go on the road, yeah. and you know, I, I mean, musicians. All, I would suspect you know, if you polled, eighty percent of them would say yes, I love playing live. Probably thirty percent of them would say I love playing live every day of my life because you want to be with your family and friends. You want to be right. able to have a home and a and so it it's changed from that point of view. Yeah. I mean, I was a I was a bit of a. Uh, tour dog. I think that kind of, you know, I helped, Uh, one of the many elements that helped Lowest to the Low fall apart the first time was that we spent, we were doing like 265 shows a year. And, you know, I remember one time we came back from, we came Uh, back from a tour that was 44 dates and 46 nights. We got back and the next day we got offered uh, 11 dates, the same, going back the same way. Opening for the Violent Femmes, and I was like, "Yep, here we go." And the guys were like, "Are you <laughs> <No>. <laughs> crazy? We're not going." And it was a b- we had a bit of a fight about it because I was like, "We're gonna pass up the fems. Violent Femmes." <laughs> you know that would be for oh. just the sort of the uh, rock and roll energy. We did get to play with them eventually, but but um. Oh, so you, you didn't do that tour. We didn't do it. We no. we turned down a lot, in you know we turned. Uh, well, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole other side of that band which was we had ideology that we believed in and we stuck with and it really you know in hindsight may have not always been the best decision but we believed there was a way we were going to curate and reach the audience we wanted to reach and right. you know until until we broke up in a sort of spectacular fashion um we were doing it we were, we were getting we, our goal was to be uh Billy Bragg we wanted to play for 800 people a night and we were on that track and we were in a lot of places we were already there. A lot right. of places we were surpassed that. So consequently we turned down like we turned down five nights at the P and E in Vancouver opening for Brian Adams. We just didn't feel like it was the right place Way for us. For and yeah. and uh I I don't I guess I can't swear on the area, right? Yes, you I, can. Oh, so I can say what Bruce Allen said to so yeah. our, our 100% Bruce 100%. Allen called our manager and said, What the fuck is wrong with those guys? <laughs> Like he was like he couldn't he couldn't understand why a band a young band would turn down five arena shows. So
0: all these years later, do you wish you would have done?
1: It? Yeah, you know my my theory experience. about Lois and Lowe is that I have no regrets about anything. I think right. we you know if we'd have stayed together past '95, I'd be telling a very different story right now. If we'd have stayed together past '95, I think one of us would have been dead. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm no, not, I, unfortunately, I, that's I, probably not uh, far from the truth. Right. Um, so I think everything. Happens for a reason, and right. you know you go That's with true. the flow. We we you know there's there's so many bands that have an eye on the business part of the music business. At that point for us, we were just music. all about creating music, and and right. and we were living day to day. We wanted that, you know, we wanted the show that night to be spectacular, and we were a damn good live band in those days. You know, I think they still are, but um, we we were a damn good live band, and people left those shows and wanted to be a part of what we were doing.
0: Well, see, and, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of a lot of bands who are probably better live than they... Not, not yeah. that studio studio albums aren't good, but they sound better live. Springsteen was one of them. He was just... You go see him live, I mean, I, you love the album, but yeah. it's a totally different. I just told you about The truth Yeah. Like, they got great records, but, man, once I saw him live... And I think the live shows are what can you know, help you sell your albums, your merch, everything,
1: right? We were, we were, we sort of got put into um, an enclave with what I suspect is the best example of that, what you're talking about ever. There were a band from um, Orange County called the Cadillac Tramps. Okay. And, did you ever see them back in the day? Yeah, yeah. They were by far and away the best live band I've ever seen in my life to this moment. Like There was nothing, it was just, it was a show, and I remember one time, Standing in, uh, we we were, we would do tours in Canada where they'd open for us, and then we would do tours in the States where we'd open for them. And I was at the Town Pump in Vancouver, and I was standing in the audience before our set watching them play, and this guy kind of sidles up beside me and said, why the heck would you have a band like this open for you? I was like, no, nah, man, you've got it all wrong. This is the only band you want. Like, You, you want this. You want a band that's going to make you feel like when you go up there you gotta bring it because they just, they just destroyed the place. And I think to me, music has never been a competition. Music has always been about camaraderie and lifting other people up and putting people in situations where they get, they get to thrive, and that band, to me, to this day, I, there's just nothing that will ever touch what they did, and, you know, unfortunately, um, Gabby, the lead singer, died young of, of, uh, of liver cancer, and, uh, and Johnny, who's still a friend of mine, he's in social distortion, although he's, he's kind of, he's kind of taking a break right now, but, um, but yeah, so, yeah, the live thing, and, like, they never, for whatever reason, you know, and I, and I, I, I just, my opinion is that they never really captured it on record. Even though there's some songs that to this day that I stick in my head.
0: It's hard to capture that. You know, what, just a little late day story that is similar to what you were just talking about. So, John Cafferty was, was uh, our headliner the one year. And we put Willie on before him. And uh, John's standing, he's standing in the wings with me where we're, we're watching Willie. And he looks at me and goes, Why? And I can swear, too. I guess, Why in the fuck would you put me on after him? <laughs> Was, how am I? And I'm like, John, you. And, and he did. He went out and he gave probably one of the best light of day performances ever. But it was, he had to take it up another level because Willie just blew the place up, right? So it was that kind of competitiveness
1: that he went out there. Yeah. On,
0: okay. I guess I gotta, I gotta take care of
1: business. Listen, the last thing you ever want is somebody before you bringing the crowd down because I've had that too, where True. it's like it's and sometimes that's insurmountable. You get up there I and the crowd that. has been taken in such another opposite direction. And yeah. I, will na- I will not name names, but um, <laughs> and it's just, it, it's hard to overcome that sometimes. I'm and sure. it affects you too, because like, I want that. I want to feel that energy. Yeah. Willie, I mean, you know, we, uh, we did a we did tour last summer with Willie out in yes. Western Canada yeah, and, and the Yukon. And uh, we, so at the end of every show, um, we would do uh, one guitar, right, which is an amazing mm-hmm. song. Uh yeah, I, I uh bugged him of the whole tour about doing uh, the day I saw Bo Diddley in Washington oh, Square and uh, he uh, he, he, nev- he didn't have it in the cellist so I ended up doing it myself at one one point yes I got that um, video actually yeah. <laughs> Thanks Kathy <laughs> uh, which is a which is a masterpiece of a song. Yes. But there was one night we were doing one guitar and you know so I'm probably like Willie Willie doesn't was is very uh, open about his age. I'm probably like 16, 17 youngers, young yeah. years oh, younger years sure. younger than him. Okay. And we're doing really one fun. guitar at the end of the end of the song we got, all got we're playing we got all got our guitars. And he breaks out into jumping jacks, and I'm I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, no problem. So I'm doing jumping jacks too, and I'm like, okay, somebody get me an oxygen mask <laughs> okay. right now because I don't know how this guy does it because he was just like fly. It was like he was floating on air. Uh, he's just is he, just the epitome of a rock and roll spirit, man. he right, just, he
0: does. That's he just
1: cool. loves it, and he, he. But he's exactly what I what I'm talking about too, and when, when I'm saying that there's nobody i've met that that oh. goes out of his way to lift you up like like willie does no. like he just 100%. he comes into the room and he makes you feel like what you're doing is important yes. and that's you know to be doing that all these years later like you know there's a lot of guys i've seen a lot of guys and again i'm not going to name names but <laughs> i've seen a lot of people that get really jaded like you know some i've, I've uh, I, know I, them too. I i did a benefit with a very very big canadian star and At the end of the show, everybody's on stage with him doing one of his songs, and the show ends, and it was triumphant and great. And I was sort of watching in the corner of my eye, and he goes, he walks off stage, and one of the guys walks off stage and goes, that, that was great, and his response was, oh, those fucking monitors sounded horrible, and I'm like, that's what you come back with <laughs> after that, it's like, it's like, and honestly, buddy, like, you've probably had bad monitors before, <laughs> it's like, right. it shouldn't be your focus, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I'll uh, get well off my I, soapbox I, now. No,
0: it's okay, I, I, over dinner, we can talk about my monitor issue, uh, <laughs> like day one, oh, yeah? I learned a lot about Sound in that first show because it's you know, very but important, uh, but it, it's yeah. important, but it's hugely important. You've a great show. I mean, just yes,
1: and obviously it helps. And there's sometimes when it's sublime, but there's also times when it goes badly. And if you've played enough, you eventually realize, yeah, I can work with this. Like right. it's not good, it's, it's not gonna. It shouldn't. Well, it shouldn't ruin a should, show. It
0: should ruin your show. Yeah. I mean, we we did Steve uh, Earl at the Scotia Bank uh, Center here in Niagara, and in the middle of a song. The upper speakers died. Oh, yeah. So all you heard was the low end, and we're running around trying. It wasn't our sound guys, yeah. it was their part of the sound system. Somehow we were co- Anyways, we found somebody, and they got it fixed in no time. But people were screaming, we can't hear the," you know. Yeah. And it's Steve, you know, to his credit, because I've heard he can, you know, sometimes not be uh, the happiest guy. Uh, he looked out and said they're pros they'll get it fixed and he just kept going yep. and it was awesome it was seamless and then he told me at the end of the show one of the best shows I've, I've done so it, it didn't affect him hey it happened up. at Live
1: Aid to McCartney too yes. it's like it's, yeah. like it's not it's not good I mean the, the reality is that stuff happens then right. you gotta just kind of roll with it and not you know if you're
0: listening Evan Rotella stop getting mad at me <laughs> 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 <When sound> this <laughs> is
1: a public service announcement
0: <laughs> <laughs> it gives me those daggers I'm like I'm trying that's Okay, so before we get you to play a song, yeah, it's great because all these people that I've interviewed, I feel like we could sit down with you know some scotch and just do this for two to three hours at a time. <laughs> it, it, we could go, but I think there was actually somebody later, so I, I can't go too far beyond today. Yeah. So my f- the question that uh, intrigues me with everybody is the beginning. I guess because I'm watching my son start uh, in this you know little exciting. journey. And so I know where he came from and how it started and all those things, but I don't know where you guys, other than what's on Wikipedia and bios. Yeah. How did it start for you? How old were you when you started, and what led up to Popular Front, and which you know eventually became Lowest of Low?
1: Yeah, th- you know, for me, I, th- I really think it all kind of happened by accident. i, I uh, I've told this story before, but my mom signed me up for a guitar lesson, like a group guitar lesson. Okay. And it was at a place, we, we lived in Thorncliffe Park in Toronto, and uh, there was a club that we had access to called the Donview Club, which was a half-olympic-sized pool and uh, ping-pong tables and all right the right things right you right. want at a community club. Um, and so I went for this group lessons, and I'm thinking I was about 13. Okay. Um, at that point, I had my my aunt had given me her nylon string guitar, and I just kind of screwed around with it up until then. But I went for okay. these lessons. I walk into the lesson on the first day, uh, thinking that I'm going to be sitting with a bunch of my peers playing guitar, and the room is filled with people over 80 years old. <laughs> so it's me and six senior citizens. That, and you know, this is one I don't give myself a lot of credit in life, but this is one time where I sort of think that I went the right direction I didn't sort of go home and say what did you do and not right. go back the next week I stayed for the whole course oh, and right. it was uh, probably one of the most joyous experiences I've ever had because I was trying to learn to play these folks were all at the end of their lives and right. just doing it for the sheer joy of it right. and I remember there was a it was it was all women and there was one man and was, whose name was Cran and he used to just look across the room at me with this look on his face like like can you believe it like, can you believe what i'm <laughs> doing <laughs> what here what like and I? I was it was just so oh, infectious awesome. and beautiful and oh. so i stuck with that for the 9 weeks and then i um took lessons at Dave Snyder Music in Toronto with a guy who went by the name of Guitar Wayne oh. and he tried to get me to learn how to read music um but mostly i just wanted to learn how to play rush songs so <laughs> we you know we learned <laughs> no, like i didn't know uh, big rush fan it, it was i was then we we yeah. learned how to p- i learned how to play in the mood and things like that he was really good at putting doing tablatures for uh really, you know, intricate parts, and I would, I would learn these songs. And I stuck with that for about nine months. And Could you find a tougher man to learn... Evan was playing Springsteen and Steve Earle, three chords in a
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> but that Rush stuff, that that early Rush stuff, is yeah. a lot of, of blues-based yeah. sort of riffs mm-hmm. and. Um, but they're, you're right, there are tons of. Like, I I didn't get up into like a uh, spirit of like, <laughs> yeah, <am I> Radio. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still couldn't do that. I hey think. kid, try this for next week. <laughs> Man, I watched uh, just one night a couple of weeks ago. I watched uh, the Rush Rock and Roll Fame Dungeon ceremony, and I don't. I, I saw Rush play probably every year up yeah. until I was about 20, and then I just sort of fell off the, I kind of went in a whole different direction and got yeah. into The Clash and, and bands like that and just d- never went back to it. But but um, watching that induction ceremony and Lifeson playing that riff in yeah. spirit of radio, I'm like, what he the played heck guitar. Yeah, he was uh, like, amazing. I was the yeah. opposite in high school. I, I, I swore I'd never <laughs> listen to them. I didn't, my buddies
0: were all Rush fans, and I was a Springsteen guy, and we yeah. fought. And now I just respect that a lot of them. It's <laughs> just one of the greatest bands that, all time yeah, really.
1: i mean they, they, i i will go back to which is which is interesting is uh, like to me farewell to kings is the one of the oh, best records that i, I don't think both. they have a i don't think they particularly have any f- affinity for that being the, their best work from what like, from really from what they say in the documentary but there's just some like i can go back to that album on the drive home tonight like it's just uh, there's just. You know, oh boy, oh, it's oh, just the way they build the songs on that record yeah. and you know and I, I was uh, I, I opened for the jitters at our uh, like the jitters. a uh, reunion concert they did about well pre-pandemic so four or five years ago and I was aware that Getty Lee was at the show oh. which was cool um, and I've met him a few times just bef- yeah. because one of my friends was Neil um, pertz's brother-in-law but I've, I've met them in passing a few times with just, just kind of said hi and that's it um, and was aware he was there it was a the show was packed. It was great. Chris and I, Chris Bennett, my guitar player, and I had a yep. really, really nice set. And then we kind of settled in and watched the jitters. I had a fun night. And the night ends, and I get this tap on my shoulder. I turn around. It's Getty Lee. He goes, I really like you guys tonight. And I was like, wow. Oh Geddy Lee When I was I late. have made it. We have made it to the peak. I've been ordained.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. What a story. So yeah. from the guitar lessons to the bands, when yeah. did you
1: start like, in the band uh, So. I was in a band called the Deadbeats with um, a guy named Andy Coyama, was the singer songwriter. Okay, uh, he en- en- ended up um, being the producer on "Chase for My Butt," oh. and now he's like a, r- cool. a highfalutin Hollywood music mixer for for like. He doesn't, he doesn't work for Geffen anymore, but he I think he's independent now. But he like wow. he's mixed you know half the films that you've seen. He's, really, he's like a, he's an amazing sound guy. I um, So we got to work with him in '90 and '91 on Shakespeare, and he was a good friend of mine. His his uh, little brother wa- and I were really close friends. Vincent's. and still are. Um, so Andy, when did I join that band? That was '82, the Deadbeats, and we used to jam on Queen Street and uh, Johnny McLeod from Johnny the nice. G Ray's Jam Space. Really, and. Johnny, to this day, says I'm one of the sort of the earliest, like, earliest sort of people that sort of, I, I don't jam right. there anymore, but we, I had stayed there a long time and right. with him. Um, and, you know, that band was kind of like half originals, half covers. We we played, you know, I don't know, once every couple of weeks. We jammed all the time. It was fun. Awesome. It went nowhere. I remember we, we made a five-song demo, and the producer smoked we, we did it overnight to save money you're always trying to save money right right, right. Band. Oh, yeah. and the producer had smoked so much weed in the studio he was just sitting there going <laughs> oh man this this music is so good and i'm like we're not even in time with the drummer like it's <laughs> not that good it's like Fired. We, it was okay but you know so andy actually remixed those five songs and and they're not for public consumption <laughs> but we we all enjoy listening to them again but you still have um, them yeah somewhere, oh, I have them somewhere yeah. and then 86 i joined up with uh through a a, a mutual friend, I joined up with Ron Hawkins and and Dave Alexander, and we put a band together called Popular Front. They'd just come out of a band called Social um, Insecurity, that had been had made some noise on the punk right. punk scene in Toronto. And the guitar player, a uh, guy named Ken, i forgot got Ken's last name. I should know that. But he left left the country. So they um, we we talked about putting something together, and then it didn't happen. And then about six months later. I saw Dave on the subway, and he said, "Oh, we're still looking for a guitar player. Do You want to come out?" So I went out to an audition, and that was it. We we formed that. Right. And Popular Front, we spent a lot of time trying to like land the right keyboard player and things like that. We should have, which we should have never been doing. At one point, that band was like an eight-piece band. We were doing oh, really? kind of a mix of world beat and post-punk stuff, and it was messy and it was uh, frustrating because we we you know Ron and I have talked about it since and when we go back and listen to that stuff we're like yeah well, we can kind of hear we can the hear the, the meticulous nature of what we were trying to do is in those songs and he's actually re-recorded and rewritten lyrics and a lot of those songs oh, yeah. have ended up on low records that since I left the band really yeah I, mean, oh. I think I think almost all the ones that were worth their salt are, are oh, out cool. there in some way shape or form now um, so yeah like we kind of you know struggled to the point where eventually we were just doing a show once a week for our girlfriends and some club and <laughs> East End of Toronto, and we <laughs> and we said t- kind of sat down and said, we have to blow this up, so either the three of us stopped playing together, or Ron said, look, it, I've written this clutch of songs, um, why don't we just, why don't I stop playing bass? He was the bass player in the band, oh. bass, guitar, pl- I was a guitar player, Ron, and Dave was the drummer, obviously. Um, he said, why don't I stop playing bass, and we'll work towards getting another bass player, which right. Eventually became John Arnott, and uh, let's just record these these group of songs with two acoustic guitars and a snare drum, which we did, which most of that is missing now, which is too bad because oh, like that, that was a great idea. Cool yeah. But those were the songs that all became Shakespeare in My Butt. So really, like that's, so and, that's and, and that was meteoric. We did we did that recorded those songs, started Sorry. playing live, with completely blowing out the entire popular front catalog. We never touched the songs again. Oh, okay. Maybe two survived and came over, came over with us. Um, and uh, we started playing live. So one of the things we did was there was a place on Bloor in Toronto called The Blue Moon, and it had a rotation. Somebody writes you would about do that one of their songs. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but there's, um, they would do five nights, Wednesday to Sunday. Right. And you would do that once a month. We did that for nine months. And I think that was the path to building a massive Toronto audience. And then it just snowballed from there. Sure. And that rotation was was us, uh, the Headstones, the Waltons. Oh, wow. Um, I think it was uh, the Hopping Penguins and one other band that would play once. Wow. Through, the, through that period. Big names there. mm all right, now before we get into <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, some of the other
0: things I wanted to talk to you about, before yep. we head out, uh, we're a little bit late on this part. But I'd love you to play. Now it, it can be your choice. What do you want to hear? Well, I didn't know if uh, if you wanted to play something from that era before, or no, you want to play something new. Personally, I, mean, I could not, listen to anything from Jimmy and the Moon over and over again. Yeah, something so.
1: from that era. Um, what have I been doing lately? Oh. All right, well, let's, voice. we'll do this Probably again. Good. There All we right. go was Stanley with the Troubadour song. When I first heard Alan play the dust of Beijing, we were at the Troubadour, and you just walked in, and you wondered out loud, how did my skin get so thin? And there's so much hidden in that song. Then a moment passes and it's gone, I thought this year we were going to win. Now it seems so many things are coming to an end. Don't cry for me
2: and don't cry for my friends. And let the last person who walks through that door whisper goodbye to the troubadours.
1: that I stood next to her upon these boards. yeah I never really figured out what she was
2: looking for. Not a word was spoken and we both walked through that door and in a cloud of smoke we parted ways.
1: Yeah, we don't speak too much these days. I thought this year we were gonna win. Now it seems so many things are coming to an end. Don't cry for me and
2: don't cry for my friends. And let the last person who walks through that door whisper goodbye to the troubadour. Yeah. So they
1: took you by surprise. Oh, Christy, if she cries, and I can see it in her eyes the is gonna rise Let's drink to better days Come on and keep your glasses Raised, oh Keep your glasses raised, oh Keep your glasses raised I'll keep your glasses raised Michael O'Grady, please pour another round Yeah, play the tin whistle, cause we need to hear that sound And let this be one night, our feet don't touch the ground Yeah, let's linger and hang on every word Later we'll kick the daylight to the curb And I thought this year we were gonna win Now it seems so many things are coming to an end.
2: Don't cry for me and don't cry for my friends and let the last person
1: And who walks through that door? Whisper goodbye to the
0: troubadour. Wow, you're listening to Just Around the Corner on Niagara's Internet Radio. I'm Dan, I'm a Dave, and that was our in-studio guest, Mr. Stephen Stanley at 4680Q. Thanks, Stephen, that was awesome. I
1: got it all choked up.
0: Wow, it's one of my. It's, <laughs> he did. You know why? And I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. Why he was uh, he was choked up at the beginning? Because I told him the story how that song reminds me of saying goodbye to the Evans Center. If you're from Niagara, you've seen the Evans Center. And when he says, "the last person who walks through that door whisper goodbye to the troubadour," I changed the words and I said, "Let the last person." Who walks through where we enter? Say goodbye to the Evans yeah, Center. And so when he played our house party, <laughs> he changed the words at the end, and I got that on video. And I, I played that song while I was tearing it down this weekend. So, oh, nice. well, sentimental fool. So <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Stephen. That, folks, is from the Epic album, Jimmy and the Moon. Uh, and you got a new album coming out. Yes. Tell us a little bit about it's the new album. The,
1: the album's got a name. It's it's called uh, Before the Collapse of the Hive. Oh, okay. One, like, one I did not know. Song, it. So okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, we we had a couple stalls during the pandemic. We made it on Wolf Island again. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'm debating right now. We recorded 13 songs. If we do vinyl, we won't put 13 songs on the record. If we don't do vinyl, we will. Right.
0: Well, That's I the other thing with vinyl, right.
1: Um, I think there's a real story that, that the album tells. It's not, a, it's not a concept record, but I think these songs all belong together. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm having that debate right now, and I'm hoping awesome. that this will be out by before the summer that's
0: my goal right now. nice nice looking forward to some new yeah. Stephen stanley music <laughs> i'll be one of those guys see i'm not i didn't play anything for six months straight without playing other stuff like yeah. you did but i i get into that where i find your album was one of them i mentioned yeah, how john hyatt had a couple albums that you when you buy it and you just can't take it off the turntable or you just can't take it out of the car and you play it and play it and play it and you do miss out on a bunch of other music but hey you like what you like right yeah that,
1: that's that's the I think that's the accepting thing we need to do is not not worry too much or lament what we don't find. I mean, right. I think stuff eventually finds you. Well, exactly.
0: Too. And that's—and I think with yeah. Through Light of Day, that's one of the – well, and I think through my kid, too, that's it's helped. But when I grew up, I, I was very uh, – I had blinders on. I was like yeah. – Asbury Park, Jersey Scene, Southern California, you know, Zeva Eagles, Poco, that kind of... And I didn't open myself up. Even when we started Light of Day, I got a lot of people, you know, kept punching me and saying, hey, you know, you're always bringing up all the American bands. What about some sort of the Canadian?" And I just wasn't in that headspace. I wasn't listening to a lot of our great bands other than the Guess Who and Burton Cummings. And I've been really, you know, getting into a lot of the Canadian artists now. And man, the talent we have. And I'm, I don't want to say I regret it, but I do wish I would have you know,
2: yeah, I but it remember. came
0: to me, like you said, it found, it found me eventually. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I think it, I think your whatever path you take, it's all for a reason, I, you know, I, I think I spent, when I was 13 or 14, I think I only listened to Kiss, I remember people say, <laughs> me too, people me too. Say me.
2: Kiss Army, <laughs> yeah, yep, Kiss
1: Army back in the 70s, Mike Douglas show, check out, check out Triumph, <laughs> do you like them, and I was like, no, I don't want to listen to Triumph, was that was one, one of my favorites, yes, and then, you know, that exploded into a whole yep. bunch of other things that are really nice, but but yeah, like I'm just a pack rat when it comes to listening to music, and I don't right. regret it at all because you know,
0: like you said, it finds you eventually, yeah. right? Yeah. So now, for those listen folks that are listening, you know, obviously one of the reasons we do this show is you know it's uh, to showcase Light of Day artists, or you know whether we have an MC on or somebody from the board, um, but you know we like to we like to talk about your involvement in Light of Day and where you know how that came about, and. I'm gonna just start the story, and you can finish it. But yeah. we we kind of got introduced through a mutual friend, Charles yeah. and Kathy Harrison, and it, it kind of seg- it's a nice segue because it kind of lends itself to what we were talking about. Is that there's just so much music, and everybody's telling you you gotta listen to this guy, you gotta listen to this guy, and you're like. A, it gets expensive because I turn into the guy that has to go buy every album when I like somebody, right? I got to go buy uh, the whole collection. You, you don't just stop at one or two. And so it gets expensive. But it, there's only so much time in a day and you're always listening to you know music. And Charles kept saying, you got to listen to this guy, Steven Stanley. And I didn't. I'll be honest. At the time, I, I just didn't. No, right. And then he said, you got to have him on the show with Willie. And we had you on a virtual yeah. show. And that was it for me. I listened to that album that week. And I think I probably was fanboy on the show too, saying how much I love this album. Yeah. It's what a great album, and you know we kind of became friends virtually before we ever met, right? Literally,
1: this all happened during the pandemic, so we had no choice but to become friends virtually. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know I still, you know Charles and Kathy are dear friends of mine. Oh yeah, and great people. The amount of sort of energy they put into the music support thing, I just it blows me away. It's so, incredible. So yeah, I mean, like I mean, it's not just me, obviously. They they they're as as everybody in the room is, but they're dyed-in-the-wool music fans. Oh, for they, sure. So to be sort of a part of that conversation kind of blows my mind because I know what they love, right? And the fact that they that's something they're hearing, and you know, Charles and Kelly come to a lot of our a lot of my shows, a lot of our shows, and it's just it's just. Yeah, awesome. If you go
0: see Stephen Sandler, you're gonna see this. Big muscular wild guy at, at the show, and he's well. He that's not me,
1: just to be clear. No, yeah, that's not Steven. That's his,
0: that's that's our buddy Charles. Uh, he's not security. He's Don't just for a the music, big stay for fan. The <laughs> yeah. So then you played our our the songwriters virtual show that we put together. Yeah. And then you played the light of, the big light of day show. It was awesome. And it was nice because some people were sending in videos. And it, that was actually easy for me. It made life really easy. And But you played live because you had been doing... Right. R- uh, tell us about your virtual show. So yeah. he, he played our big show and he played the Light of Day uh, Songwriters virtual show. But Stephen was also doing a great show that I watched all the time.
2: I was
1: doing a bi-weekly like yeah. online show. And so whenever the thought of doing something that involved anything online came up and I was given the option to do live or or yep. recorded, I always chose live because I just there was just something so immediate about it. Oh, the yeah, idea it was that way better. Um, for though for that moment in time, it nicely replaced the idea of playing live from my point of view. Yeah. I think for for a number of people. Yeah. Um, you know, the funny thing is like somebody asked me uh, maybe a month ago, would you consider doing another online show? And I was like, Yeah, no thanks <laughs> <laughs> But at the time I, at the, well at the time right? I thought I thought it would become part of what we all did just would be a sort of a natural progression but uh, you know I think there was just there was sort of the, the idea sure. that people like I, I I couldn't stand them after they were over like to watch them again to me that that became a lo-fi not good version of what right. you could do musically so that didn't have any interest to me while it was happening and people were commenting and you know while you're playing you're probably picking up like a 10% of the comments just because you're concentrating on playing but it just felt so and I think for me like you know I really I've always sort of tried to incorporate storytelling into what I do on stage right but that changed it like right. it, was, it was like I re- at first I was like I'm gonna sit in front of a computer and tell <laughs> tell long stories before songs and it was just a natural it would just work so well
0: it, it like, did and then you had it, it Stephen was in his backyard <coughs> and, the, the, and backyard, the best yeah. part about the show I still Damn. love this part was his neighbors had these little kids yeah and well, a, you taught Evan to not worry about the dog barking. Don't get upset, because yeah, no, no. your your dog would walk right up yeah. and you know, and and then you had the little kids from over the fence yeah. yelling at you, right?
1: They would sing along. They yeah. Would request songs. Yeah. Awesome. But it was so my, cool. uh, the, the, during the pandemic, we lost our first dog Guthrie, and uh, oh. <coughs> he would actually jump right up on my lap during the shows like he, he just yeah i well remember watching it i thought any idea was going on he i'm like watch out. this
0: this is how pro handles it just dog yeah. he loves his dog who cares the dogs and mm-hmm. no it was great and you know a lot of people will, will even they've told ev and uh, even with our light of day stuff they thank they, they always thank you for helping them get through covid by giving them these shows i mean joe grushecki did a great show yeah. uh one you know every couple of weeks you did your show There are all these joe, shows there's some nice ones that i saw Durso did some great ones i did a few with him. <laughs> and it, but when you bring that up I, I'm still paying. i got to get rid of it. But I still pay for the StreamYard platform that we used, yeah. right? Because I believed that there would be some type of hybrid.
2: So did I. There's so the did a lot uh, of people.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people did. And I was like, yeah, we're going to figure out how do, how do we do this live. And yeah. I was going to do a live show. And, 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 and then I was like you. I was like, yeah. no, you know what? It's gone. This is where we want to be. We want to be just live. Yeah. Yeah,
1: right? Ron, Ron Hawkins did like a weekly for, for probably yeah. two years straight. And he was getting like... Oh,
0: tuning. yeah, and then once they put the once they <laughs> brought the Venmo in and the yeah. tip jars and stuff, that that helped. That was good yeah. because I know he it,
1: wasn't monetizing. He didn't, I didn't monetize mine, and he didn't. No, you didn't. Um, it was just kind of a to for the joy of playing, right? And it was you know mind blowing that people would turn tune in and, and participate,
0: right? And, and it, was, it was fun watching the 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 number of people coming on yeah. as you're playing, right? because like, I know when want was playing, I'd be. Up to fifty,
1: up to fifty five. <laughs> you know, you know, you're like really, yeah. But that's awesome. That's amazing. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was, that, you it was, know, the nicest thing was that often afterwards you would get really nice messages from people saying right. how much they appreciated it, and that. I mean, I know, I'm just like, like, like I said to you, I come from a band that really didn't pay any attention to our own detriment to the business side of the music business, and and I'm still kind of that way. Which yeah, you do it because really you love default. it. I'm really right. good. I'm I, I'm good at finding free work. <laughs> <laughs> with my business they i always sure was
0: would. as well so yeah. i get i know what you're talking about but yeah it was a moment in time and something you'll look back well everybody's gonna look back on and oh, yeah, you know sure. you did your thing during that time you didn't roll over and you know, a lot of people wrote you know they put they did out i know, you know dave yeah. rave put out an album during that time yeah, for
1: sure right? Right? i think the nicest thing was like and that was the same for me like the guys in my band when we got to the recording uh, studio there was like five or six songs they hadn't heard right excuse me that we were, we were, I was writing a lot during that period of time. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know, it's like, a, it, it, there's a lot of people too that, that had never come out to a live show before the live stream shows, and that do come out now, so it's like, it's just, it was just a cool, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was a way to cope, for sure, it was a way to... Uh, well, I, I was going
0: to say, for some people, I think it was, it, mentally, it was a great way to cope.
1: From both sides. Like yeah, 100%. Side and from the audience side, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So uh, before we, you know, wrap things up, we've talked about, yeah, I know we're
1: really? It's we're like it's gone <laughs> from, like, being somewhat hot in here to... Be to here.
0: Yeah, it, folks, oh! picture, picture uh, you know, a 90-degree day living upstairs in an apartment with no air conditioning, because yeah. that's kind of how we are, and I say that because I lived, when we grew up, I lived in one of those places, and it's kind of feeling that way, so we got to get out of here soon and get ourselves a, a nice cold uh, drink. Before we do, though, right now, yep. and I know because... You can go to danatix.com and get some tickets. Uh, you you're doing oh, yeah. a very interesting uh, tour uh, with it's Chris Brown,
1: Chris Brown who uh, Hawkins my last two records and right. Chris um, is because he owns Wolf Island. He owns Studios? Wolf Island records, records and he owns Sorry. the Post Office Studio where we make the make the records. Okay. Um. So he is known from the Bourbon Tabernacle Choir. Played with the Tragically Hip. Bare Naked Ladies. I saw. very <laughs> Naked Ladies. I'm getting choked up just talking about him. Right, really, there's, some, there's something in my throat. I can make Stephen heat. cry. That's <laughs> what so I'm going to tell everybody. And then, uh, so Chris, Ron Hawkins, my old bandmate from Los Alou, yep. and I, are, have, we did, we did this last fall. We did like nine shows last fall, and it was awesome. Yeah. And we've decided to do it again. We're going out in for most of May. Um, you know, I think we're doing like 12 shows across the course of May.
0: Yeah. You're okay. in Hamilton,
1: Peterborough, you're Over at Town Ballroom too. That's where I'm Town going. Ballroom. We're going to New York City for two nights. Oh, and, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. We're going to a place called the Parkside Lounge in Manhattan, and then uh, a place called Big Ranch in Brooklyn. So oh, I have to tell Willie and Brooklyn, the Brooklyn show, Kate Fenner and Tony Shear and Michael Blake, who's an amazing sax wow. player, who's on my new record, which is kind of cool. Oh really? Um, nice. Uh, is are joining us, and it's, that's going to be a benefit for Chris's Pros and Cons project, which is is. Uh, In prison recording and music Uh, project. uh,
0: When we talk later, I I wanted to talk to you about that. It's really interesting because Jason Heath down in California does uh, jail guitar doors.
1: Right, Right. yes. Right, with Morello and uh, Kramer. Yeah, Chris probably knows that. I'm sure he does. Anyways, what we do is we take, like, we each ship in uh, a pile of songs from our own personal catalogs. We throw in a bunch of Lowest of the low stuff from the time I was there, right. and we kind of reimagined the songs a little bit. And some, some we played fairly straight, but it's just great playing with those two guys. They're just both so talented. Yeah, I'm
0: really, fun. I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing that because I've yeah. never seen you with the, with these guys. Now, I never got to ask you this. Uh, but before we go, I do and You said you're coming to Buffalo, right? Yeah, I'm coming to so that's my f-
1: like. So Buffalo was like a second home to me. That's my first time back there playing probably in 12 years. Which really? Is, which is absurd, but I can't wait. It's going to oh, be so cool. And,
0: and it's, such a, it's such a great vibe in that room. I yeah. mean, I talked to the owner about it one day, and he said there's still the ghosts of all those folks that came through yeah. You know, 50, 60 years ago in those walls. He told me a story about how Patty Smith, when she
1: played there, told him I, I felt the ghosts yeah. in here, like well, my, in, a, in a positive I, way. I've experienced that, that one time so palpably, I, I will tell you about it quickly. Yeah, we went to, no, for sure. We toured in uh, England, Lois and did, I think in 2004, uh, it was us and three young bands from Canada, one was Pilot, one was, uh, oh boy, I'm drawing a blank on names, I'm so bad with names, uh, anyways, there were. I apologize to all of you, because they're all friends of mine. Yeah, and right. Brad Germain was his band from Hamilton. Um, and so yeah. we did, I think, 11 or 12 shows across the country. Um, but our manager, because th- there was, with all these young bands, he wanted us to stay in one central place, which meant we didn't get to spend very long in any town. Right. Um, we would we drove into London. We were there for, like, four hours, including the show, and, drove and then back happened. out to, like, I think it was a place near Blackpool on the Irish Sea that we stayed. It was his friend's place. It was awesome, but it just... Meant the experience of being in in the UK was kind of all seen from a bus, but we got to um, London and we played a place called the Water Rat's Cafe, Water Rat's Cafe, Water Rat's Cafe. Yeah, and I had no expectations for the show. I didn't know what it was going to be. But while we were doing a sound check, the guy, the bartender, said, "This is the first place Bob Dylan ever played outside of America." Really? It was this room. Oh. And, I was, and I was like. Yeah, I, that makes total sense to me. Like I just felt you like, felt something there. Yeah, in? really. And then we uh, eventually oh, the cool night story. rolls around and the place is packed to the rafters. Like who knew there was that many expat Canadians in, in London? But right. they all came. It was packed. And I think it was one one of the best shows that really? I ever participated in with Los for sure. It goes to Bob. The spirit appeared. of Bob. The that, yeah. that idea that that was the place that he'd first touched down. Oh, how cool is that? Blew my mind. Oh, that's yeah. a cool experience. Now before we wrap it up, um, the new album,
0: uh will you be touring with the band for that?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. yeah, we don't have what any of that? the concrete plans yet. I think mm-hmm. touring is like, you know, kinda like we're doing with the BHS stuff, which would be like, you know, we're kinda doing back ends of every week. We're doing right. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of every week. So that's so probably I'll what I'll do. I'll have some Stephen Stanley
0: shows to go see. Oh yeah, in the for near sure, future, yeah, yeah. beautiful. Okay, because we know we're always trying to plan around yeah. Evans' gigs, right? So when are you playing? Send me the list so I know. Where yeah, go.
2: definitely. <laughs> All
0: right, now folks, uh, before we go, Stephen's gonna Steven's gonna play us out with a song. Uh, obviously, got to do my, I got to do a little bit of housekeeping, but hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. I was a very uh, informative and entertaining uh, interview with Stephen. Uh, I want. I always bring this up, show after show. But make sure you go to Spotify. Check out the Stephen Stanley band. Uh, sorry, w- I always get the name of this wrong. The other album, three or no the. Oh, the,
1: the uh, well, it, the it was a the band was called Too Many Sisters. Too many, too many. It was, it was me and a woman named Carla McNeil, who was right. a singer, violinist. It's a fantastic album. I don't know. Oh, I'm you. like you.
0: I'm I'm bad with the name. Too many.
1: Yeah, too many sisters. Too many the sisters. Check and the I album. The album's called Non Barking Dog. Um, Excellent album. Yeah. And. That, you know, that's one of the perils of streaming services because they won't let me put that on my own page. It has to be on its own separate well, page. Well, yeah, so and I just
0: happened to look for it because I have the – you gave me the CD a while ago, and then I happened to look for it. I thought I, for shits and giggles I'll give it a shot, and there it is. I'm like, oh, I have to pull a CD out because I don't play CDs too often. So now not don't have to play it out. So check Stephen out on Spotify. Check out his website, StephenStanleyBand.com, right? Got that one right. Uh, next week, uh, we've got a great show coming up. We got It'll be at 7 o'clock. It'll be Bobby Mahoney from Bobby Mahoney and the Seventh Son uh, with our special guest uh, host that night. Uh, my co-host will be Evan Rotella. Don't forget, you can check all of our shows out on Spotify. They'll be up this later this evening as well as 4680Q and light day dot com, or light day Canada dot com slash podcast. So. Without further ado, I want to turn this thing back over to Stephen. Stephen, thank you for coming out. It was an awesome time. Uh, Loved loved having you. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Stephen Stanley on 4680Q, Niagara's
1: Internet Radio. And Two of us on a forest path. One of us shook the tree. One of us saw the nest come down. Turned to wonder where his friend could be. Three hours later. the news came on the phone John was in the hospital he never did quite make it home and I wondered how those hornets missed me how they knew I was a bystander when they went after Johnny Johnny Hornets threaten no person unless they're provoked. Harmony dies a sorry death on a predatory slippery slope. John Wayne at the Alamo is hero's last stand. John Wayne in a magazine said they selfishly tried to hang on to their land.
2: Just prayers conceived after the smoke has long cleared.
1: Nearer my God to me in this godless frontier. No mothers say it's
2: okay. It gets worse every day. It's a storm.
1: stung in late September It's just the last gasp to survive Remember the good old days Before the collapse
2: of the hive Drunk on the power of this stillborn bitter fruit
1: This new cycle hour Don't reveal where they buried the loot
2: but I still don't know how those i trying to remember the way I thought it was going to be. I'm trying to
1: remember
2: the way I thought. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen.
1: Thanks, David.